Section 17 of Bede's Ecclesiastical History of England. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Felicity Campbell. The Ecclesiastical History of England by the Venerable Bede. Translated by A. M. Seller. Book 3. Chapters 27 through 30. Chapter 27. How Egbert, a holy man of the English nation, led a monastic life in Ireland, 664 A.D. In the same year of our Lord, 664, there happened an eclipse of the sun on the third day of May, about the tenth hour of the day. In the same year, a sudden pestilence depopulated first the southern parts of Britain, and afterwards, attacking the province of the Northumbrians, ravaged the country far and near, and destroyed a great multitude of men. By this plague, the aforesaid priest of the Lord, Tudor, was carried off, and was honourably buried in the monastery called Pineilech. Moreover, this plague prevailed no less disastrously in the island of Ireland. Many of the nobility and of the lower ranks of the English nation were there at that time, who, in the days of the bishops Finnan and Coleman, forsaking their native island, retired thither, either for the sake of sacred studies or of a more ascetic life, and some of them presently devoted themselves faithfully to a monastic life, Others chose rather to apply themselves to study, going about from one master's cell to another. The Scots willingly received them all, and took care to supply them with daily food without cost, as also to furnish them with books for their studies and teaching free of charge. Among these were Ethelhun and Egbert, two youths of great capacity of the English nobility, the former of whom was brother to Ethelwyn, a man no less beloved by God, who also at a later time went over into Ireland to study, and having been well instructed, returned into his own country, and being made bishop in the province of Lindsay, long and nobly governed the church. These two, being in the monastery which in the language of the Scots is called Rath Melsigi, and having lost all their companions, who were either cut off by the plague or dispersed into other places, were both seized by the same sickness and grievously afflicted. Of these Egbert, as I was informed by a priest of venerable for his age and of great veracity, who declared he had heard the story from his own lips, concluding that he was at the point of death, went out of the chamber where the sick lay in the morning, and, sitting alone in a fitting place, began seriously to reflect upon his past actions, and, being full of compunction at the remembrance of his sins, bedewed his face with tears, and prayed fervently to God that he might not die yet, before he could forthwith more fully make amends for the careless offences which he had committed in his boyhood and infancy, or might further exercise himself in good works. He also made a vow that he would spend all his life abroad and never return into the island of Britain where he was born, that besides singing the psalms at the canonical hours, he would, unless prevented by bodily infirmity, repeat the whole Psalter daily to the praise of God, 
and that he would every week fast one whole day and night. Returning home after his tears and prayers and vows, he found his companion asleep, and going to bed himself, he began to compose himself to rest. When he had lain quiet a while, his comrade awaking looked on him and said, Alas, brother Egbert, what have you done? I was in hopes that we should have entered together into life everlasting, but know that your prayer is granted. For he had learned in a vision what the other had requested, and that he had obtained his request. In brief, Ethelhan died the next night, but Egbert, throwing off his sickness, recovered, and lived a long time after to grace the episcopal office which he received by deeds worthy of it and blessed with many virtues according to his desire lately in the year of our lord seven hundred and twenty nine being ninety years of age he departed to the heavenly kingdom he passed his life in great perfection of humility gentleness continence simplicity and justice thus he was a great benefactor both to his own people and to those nations of the scots and picts among whom he lived in exile by the example of his life his earnestness in teaching his authority in reproving and his piety in giving away of those things which he received from the rich he also added this to the vows which we have mentioned during lent he would eat but one meal a day allowing himself nothing but bread and thin milk and even that by measure the milk knew the day before he kept in a vessel and skimming off the cream in the morning drank the rest as has been said with a little bread which sort of abstinence he likewise always observed forty days before the nativity of our lord and as many after the solemnity of pentecost that is of the fifty days festival chapter twenty eight how, when Tudor was dead, Wilfred was ordained in Gaul, and Cierda among the West Saxons, to be bishops for the province of the Northumbrians. 664 A.D. In the meantime, King Aldfred sent the priest Wilfred to the king of Gaul, in order that he should cause him to be consecrated bishop for himself and his people that prince sent him to be ordained by Argilbert, of whom we have before spoken and who having left britain was made bishop of the city of paris and by him wilfred was honourably consecrated several bishops meeting together for that purpose in a village belonging to the king called incompendio he stayed some time in the parts beyond the sea for his ordination and King Osby, following the example of his son's zeal, sent into Kent a holy man of modest character, well read in the scripture, and diligently practising those things which he had learned therein, to be ordained bishop of the church of York. This was a priest called Cairda, brother to the most reverend prelate Ked, of whom mention has been often made, and abbot of the monastery of Lestingo. With him the king also sent his priest Edhead, who was afterwards in the reign of Egbert made bishop of the church of Ripon. Now, when they arrived in Kent, they found that Archbishop Jews had departed this life, 
and no other bishop was as yet appointed in his place, whereupon they betook themselves to the province of the West Saxons, where Huini was bishop, and by him Cerda was consecrated. Two bishops of the British nation, who kept Easter Sunday, as has been often said, contrary to the canonical manner, from the fourteenth to the twentieth moon, being called in to assist at the ordination, for at that time there was no other bishop in all Britain canonically ordained except Weenie. So Cierda, being consecrated bishop, began immediately to labour for ecclesiastical truth and purity of doctrine, to apply himself to humility, self-denial and study, to travel about not on horseback, but after the manner of the apostles, on foot, to preach the gospel in towns, the open country, cottages, villages and castles for he was one of the disciples of aden and endeavoured to instruct his people by the same manner of life and character after his and his own brother ked's example wilfred also having been now made a bishop came into britain and in like manner by his teaching brought into the english church many rules of catholic observance whence it followed that the Catholic principles daily gained strength, and all the Scots that dwelt in England either conformed to these, or returned into their own country. Chapter 29. How the priest Wighard was sent from Britain to Rome to be ordained archbishop, of his death there, and of the letters of the apostolic pope giving an account thereof, 667 A.D. At this time the most noble kings of the English, Oswy of the province of the Northumbrians, and Egbert of Kent, consulted together to determine what ought to be done about the state of the English church, for Oswy, though educated by the Scots, had rightly perceived that the Roman was the Catholic and Apostolic Church. They selected, with the consent and by the choice of the Holy Church of the English nation, a priest named Wighard, one of Bishop Dues Derrit's clergy, a good man and fitted for the episcopate, and sent him to Rome to be ordained bishop, to the end that, having been raised to the rank of an archbishop, he might ordain Catholic prelates for the churches of the English nation throughout all Britain. But Wighard, arriving at Rome, was cut off by death before he could be consecrated bishop, and the following letter was sent back into Britain to King Oswy. Do the most excellent Lord, our son Oswy, King of the Saxons, Italian, Bishop, Servant of the Servants of God, we have received to our comfort your Excellency's letters, by reading whereof we are acquainted with your most pious devotion and fervent love of the blessed life, and know that by the protecting hand of God you have been converted to the true and apostolic faith, in hope that even as you reign in your own nation, so you may hereafter reign with Christ. Blessed be the nation, therefore, that has been found worthy to have as its king one so wise and a worshipper of God, 
for as much as he is not himself alone a worshipper of god but also studies day and night the conversion of all his subjects to the catholic and to apostolic faith to the redemption of his own soul who would not rejoice at hearing such glad tidings who would not exult and be joyful at these good works for your nation has believed in christ the almighty god according to the words of the divine prophets as it is written in isaiah in that day there shall be a root of jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people to it shall the gentiles seek and again listen o isles unto me and hearken ye people from far and a little after it is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of jacob and to restore the outcast of israel i have given thee for a light to the gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth and again kings shall see princes also shall arise and worship and immediately after i have given thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth and possess the scattered heritages that thou mayest say to the prisoners go forth to them that are in darkness show yourselves and again i the lord have called thee in righteousness and have held thine hand and have kept thee and have given thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoner from the prison and them that sit in darkness from the prison-house behold most excellent son how it is plain as day that it was prophesied not only of you but also of all the nations that they should believe in christ the creator of all things wherefore it behoves your highness as being a member of christ in all things continually to follow the pious rule of the chief of the apostles in celebrating easter and in all things delivered by the holy apostles peter and paul whose doctrine daily enlightens the hearts of believers even as the two lights of heaven illumine the world and after some lines wherein he speaks of celebrating the true easter uniformly throughout all the world finally he adds we have not been able now on account of the length of the journey to find a man apt to teach and qualified in all respects to be a bishop according to the tenor of your letters but assuredly as soon as such a fit person shall be found we will send him well instructed to your country that he may by word of mouth and through the divine oracles with the blessing of god root out all the enemy's tears throughout your island we have received the presents sent by your highness to the blessed chief of the apostles for an eternal memorial of him and return you thanks and always pray for your safety with the clergy of christ but he that brought these presents has been removed out of this world and is buried at the threshold of the apostles for whom we have been much grieved because he died here nevertheless we have caused the blessed gifts of the saints that is the relics of the blessed apostles peter and paul and of the holy martyrs laurentius john and paul and gregory and pancratius 
to be given to your servants, the bearers of these our letters, to be by them delivered to your excellency, and to your consort, also our spiritual daughter, we have by the aforesaid bearers sent a cross with a gold key to it, made out of the most holy chains of the blessed apostles Peter and Paul, for, hearing of her pious zeal, all the apostolic sea rejoices with us, even as her pious works smell sweet and blossom before God. We therefore desire that your highness should hasten, according to our wish, to dedicate all your island to Christ our God, for assuredly you have for your protector the Redeemer of mankind, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will prosper you in all things, that you may gather together a new people of Christ, establishing there the Catholic and Apostolic faith. For it is written, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Truly your highness seeks, and shall obtain, and all your islands shall be made subject to you, even as we desire. Saluting your excellency with fatherly affection, we never cease to pray to the divine goodness to vouchsafe to assist you and yours in all good works, that you may reign with Christ in the world to come. May the heavenly grace preserve your excellency in safety. In the next book, we shall have a more suitable occasion to show who was selected and consecrated in Wighard's place. Chapter 30 How the East Saxons, during a pestilence, returned to idolatry, but were soon brought back from their error by the zeal of Bishop Jaruman, 665 A.D. At the same time, the kings Sikhir and Sebi, though themselves subject to Walfir, king of the Mercians, governed the province of the East Saxons after Suethelm, of whom we have spoken above. When that province was suffering from the aforesaid disastrous plague, Sighir, with his part of the people, forsook the mysteries of the Christian faith, and turned apostate. For the king himself, and many of the commons and nobles, loving this life, and not seeking after another, or even not believing in any other, began to restore the temples that had been abandoned, and to adore idols, as if they might by those means be protected against the plague. But Sebi, his companion and co-heir in the kingdom, with all his people, very devoutly preserved the faith which he had received, and, as we shall show hereafter, ended his faithful life in great felicity. King Walfair, hearing that the faith of the province was in part profaned, sent Bishop Jeremin, who was successor to Trumhere, to correct their error and recall the province to the true faith. He acted with much discretion, as I was informed by a priest who bore him company in that journey, and had been his fellow labourer in the word, for he was a religious and a good man, and travelling through all the country, far and near, brought back both the people and the aforesaid king to the way of righteousness, so that, either forsaking or destroying the temples and altars which they had erected, they opened the churches and gladly confessed the name of Christ, which they had opposed, choosing rather to die in the faith of resurrection in him than to live in the abominations of unbelief among their idols. 
having thus accomplished their works the priests and teachers returned home with joy end of section seventeen recording by felicity campbell book one for me dot com wanganui new zealand